Welcome to episode 90 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We have an obligation and responsibility to pray for the best government. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. We're talking about how does the believer, how does the church relate to temporal or civil government? And I'd encourage you to listen to the last podcast if you didn't have an opportunity to do that. Now, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 2, and this is one of the basic instructions given in the Bible. Of course, the Apostle Paul is in jail when this is being written. Don't forget that. He's awaiting his execution, and he's writing not just to a young pastor, but to an apostolic leader. And this is what he says to him in 1 Timothy 2.1. First of all, then I urge that entreaties or petitions and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, so let's put this in context first. First of all, the context, Paul in chapter 1 is talking about unruly people, people in the church, people outside the church, people that have resisted them and caused them problems. So he's telling Timothy, the first thing you need to do, first, you know what the word first means in Greek? It means first. This is the first thing you should do. You should pray and make prayers and petitions for all in authority kings. Why? So that they'll do the work of the ministry. No. So that they'll uh, uh, like the church. No. So they'll give the church money. No. So that they'll even pass laws that favor the church. No. That would all be nice. But listen. Why? So we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all tranquility. What does that mean? He says, pray for those in authority that they do not interrupt you, that they do not get in your way. It is great when we have somebody that is an advocate for the church. We're not looking to politicize the gospel, but neither are we looking to make the gospel irrelevant. We already have a Savior. We don't need a Savior. There's already a Supreme Court that sits in heaven, and the Supreme Court on earth is not the Supreme Court. Okay, just think about that phrase, the Supreme Court, that tells you a lot, but it's really not, okay? But he talks about first of all. In other words, do not get sidetracked, but understand that if the government is not working properly, if you have authorities that are in power and they have the ability to disrupt what you're doing, then that is not a good thing. Remember, he said, this is good and acceptable sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what he's really saying here is that if you have a government that is disrupting you, that is disrupting your peace, uh, have, you having to deal with side issues that are legitimate, then it's going to stop people from coming into the kingdom. It's going to stop the spread of the gospel. Is this not true? And this really ought to be, in this present COVID-19 situation, that really ought to be the issue. I mean, us not meeting together, not worshiping together is a command of the Bible, by the way. 
of coming together, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together, and that is critical. But even higher than that, possibly, could be the fact is, is this hindering us from preaching the gospel? I think we'd have to agree that it is definitely a hindrance. That doesn't mean that we can't do all the other things that some churches have learned to do very good, and I trust the ones that have learned to do it very good will keep doing it after they're able to meet together so they can continue to try to reach more people and not only give them a theology over the air, but give them a theology and biography where they can come together and they can actually meet people, okay? So here's the role of the believer for government. It's to pray for government, and it's to uh, believe God that government will not get involved in the church's business, okay? God never ordained civil or temporal government to be involved in the affairs of business, I mean, look, honestly, look how government, not just the United States government, any government. See, the problem with socialism isn't that it's just a bad system. The problem with socialism is it's not people running it. It's a government running it from afar. So it doesn't work. It's a great kind of uh, panaceic idea, but it takes away the incentive system that God made. Uh, our government can't look hundreds of years. Now it's a little bit of exaggeration, but a hundred over a hundred years of running the post office, and we still can't get it right. I'm all for veterans' rights and veteran support, and I think they had to go to the best hospital. But you know what? And and I know the veterans' hospitals have improved in recent memory. But you know, again, the government—that's not what they do best. Okay, the government's job is to protect us from. Uh, enemies, both foreign and domestic. That is the primary job of government. It's protection. It's not provision. And the government has not been designed to teach the church, to tutor the church, to mandate to the church. And when they do, they're getting out of their lane. And this is where the kingdom is in conflict right now, because we have a government that has overstepped its role, and they're unequally applying things. They're trusting business leaders to open their businesses and, and keep social distancing, but they're, staying, they're saying to the church, you ought to be closed. Okay, they don't have the authority to do that, quite frankly. Now, do they have some authority to protect its citizenry if there is a legitimate threat? The answer is yes. Now, we can debate about the threat, but as long as they believe there's a threat, and there is a threat to some degree, and if, if there's a thousand people listening, we're all going to come down a little bit different on that. That is not the issue. The issue is that there's equal application with that threat. I mean, you can get on an airplane, and you can pack that airplane full, and you can stay on that airplane longer than you would in most church services, and Act, actually, being on an airplane is not essential because you can get on a boat, you can get in a train, you can go in a car, right? And so that would make it non-essential. There are other alternatives. So that guts that out. So there's not an equal application of what is going on here. But we've got to understand that our first rule is just say to the government, you know what, government, you sing about separation of church and state all the time, we really believe it. And you know, the separation of church and state is nowhere in our constitution. That was a letter 
that was written by Thomas Jefferson to a group of Baptist people who were concerned about the government sticking their nose in the church's business. And Jefferson said he believed that there was a wall, there was a separation of church and state where the government would not be involved in the church's business. And that's all the Apostle Paul is telling us to pray for here in 1 Timothy, uh, the first couple verses, 1 through 4 that the government would not be involved in our business and that we want to be treated equally. You know, actually, there's an interesting federal law called RELUPA, the Religious Land and Institutionalized Persons Act. Believe it or not, it was signed by Bill Clinton, and it's very favorable to religious rights. And it basically says that if you're going to apply a law, a federal mandate, that it's got to be applied equally. You cannot single out a church and say, oh, you know, a church can't be here or a church can't have this many people when you could have a, a concert there or something like that, a mass gathering. And there's a lots of other conditions of that. But it's actually a, a very favorable, non-discriminatory law, and it's been used many times to defend churches that are trying to push the agenda forward when somebody has stuck uh, their nose, the camel has stuck its nose under the church's tent. The second part about how we relate to the government as being a friend is we relate as being a prophetic voice. Now, you can't be prophetic unless you're leading. Being prophetic is more than a voice. The word pro means to go before. Proceed, promote, produce, procure, pro-life, okay? Pro means to go for, and etic means to other. So we go before and utter. So we're to be a prophetic voice to the, to the government. We're to say, this will hurt the state, this will hurt the county, this will hurt our nation, this will hurt our people, or this will be a blessing. Jesus called it being salt and light, okay? And this is something that we should understand. Now, what's happened is, is in and there are a thousand applications for a thousand situations, but you've got, you know, everything from small rural governments to to the federal government, to state government, and they're meeting with business leaders and industry leaders trying to decide things, and they've left the church out of that. The only thing they've communicated to the church is this is what we're doing, rather than showing trust to the church and say, look, here's some standards. We want to keep people safe. Could you do the six-foot thing? Could you do a mask? You know, I don't like that stuff, but you know what? If there's a threat or even a, even a, a threat of a threat, then that's not going to hinder us. But that's where they've got to show trust and say, you know what, we're going to trust you to run your own organization, just like we're going to trust Walmart and Walgreen and any other wall to do what they've got to do. And we're going to do this because the job of the church is to pray that government will not interfere because when government does, when government sticks its nose under the tent, it invariably stops us from preaching the gospel, gets us distracted, interrupts us, Okay, and takes our our quiet peace away and our godliness away and puts us into a mode where we've got to be somewhat confrontational, which isn't popular, uh, which isn't in our comfort zone. But let's remember something. Jesus was not always accepted by the powers that be, to say the least. Most of the Bible, not just the New Testament, but most, most a lot of the Old Testament was written from jail cells because there were prophetic people that understood under King Jesus they had a first alliance and they were going to prophesy and they were going to stand. Now, they weren't looking for the fight, but the fight came to them, okay? 
So the way we relate to government is, number one, from our last podcast, total allegiance to King Jesus. Number two, understanding that we have an obligation and a responsibility to pray for the best government, and that would include praying and then voting accurately. And then number two, being salt and light, being a prophetic voice. I didn't get into being ethnocentric yet. I'm going to cover that because that's really kind of the meat and potatoes of this. I think a lot of us miss Uh, And I'm going to explain to you what that means and how it applies. Uh, Hey, this is Keith Tusi. This is great to be with you. Uh, Share this podcast with somebody and have a great King-filled day. Today, Keith continued his discussion on how Christians should relate to government. 1 Timothy 2 tells us to pray for all in authority. We should pray that those in authority do not interrupt or get in the way of spreading the gospel. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at inourpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at inourpastors. See you next week.